Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning, September 29th, 2022, 48 degrees at 608 in the capital city. Caleb Henry with you, Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, Jack Mitchell on location for uh, a few hours later on today. He'll join us at seven o'clock as we get to the Team Jack Radiothon from 7 this morning until 6 this afternoon. Mark, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing just fine, thanks. A uh, little cool out there. Little, it's got a chill to it this morning. There was, uh, yeah, when I walked out, even yesterday had a little bit of this, too, because uh, I came to work in shorts, and then I went over to that Lincoln Youth Complex announcement, and yep. between here and getting to over there, I stopped at home and put on jeans. Yeah, there <laughs> there, was, There's been a little bit of bite with that wind. Yeah, the, and it's going to be breezy uh, right up until about game time Saturday night. We're, yeah. We're looking at southeast winds gusting around 25 right up until uh, Saturday evening. So. This is going to be a nice game Saturday to be wearing jeans, have a jacket with you, whereas the previous few games have all been, they've all felt like August games more than September. Yeah, the Saturday hour by hour still shows about 83 at 5 o'clock, but now down to 66 by 9 so it's gonna yeah. cool off fast once that uh, sun goes down yeah but it'll there'll be a lot of tailgating and a lot of partying yeah that's going afternoon. to uh that's gonna be a lot of fun especially when things start to cool down it feels like the tailgating's even better than when it's like really hot and it feels like a summer cookout yeah i it, can see that it feels like football yeah yeah that that, that would make sense uh, well, as I said, today is going to be that Team Jack Radiothon. That's where Jack Mitchell is, and he will join Cody Thomas at 7 o'clock. And they are out there in, it's Elwood, right? It is. Elwood. So, south of uh, Lexington, and that is the uh, home city for uh, the home agency. That's uh, right. The insurance agency, the Baldonado family, Jim Baldonado, uh, big supporters of Team Jack, so they host it there. And uh, the the crew from the home agency uh, actually mans the lines, and so they take a lot of the the uh, behind the scenes and uh, just take care of it for the Team Jack Foundation. Well, as they're manning those lines, we'll give you that number now. I'll give it to you later, and they will obviously give you that number throughout the day. Eight five five Run Jack. Eight five five seven eight six five two two five. This is the tenth annual Team Jack Radiothon. Ten. It is, I was. I got my hair cut earlier this week, and someone asked if I had anything big going on. I said, well, just preparing for, for Team Jack on Thursday, and it's the 10th annual. And he went, I was at that game. How has it been, how has it been that long? Yeah. So 10 years of it, and you've heard it here on KLIN. Uh, we'll obviously keep this first hour of the show exactly the same, and obviously that means we're going to start with uh, anything going on in the newsroom, Mr. Vale. Well, of course, the big news uh, is uh, um, now Tropical Storm Ian right. has been right. downgraded, uh, went down very quickly once it hit its land. But a lot of damage in Florida. Uh, it's uh, about probably approaching the outskirts of Orlando right now expected to move on through the Daytona Beach area and then back out to sea. 
could gain a little strength and then help head up into Georgia and South Carolina. So not done with the uh, the heavy storms from Hurricane Ian. But in the news, um, we did get a report yesterday, a second arrest uh, of William Wright. He was arrested earlier for the uh, death of 61-year-old Ronald George. He's now been charged in the death of Ronnie Patz. Uh, you know, that's the one that Lincoln police were searching for so much evidence out at the landfill. Uh, so um, he's been charged now in both homicides. So, okay. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, a few people that are going to, you know, be a little uh, calmer now that uh, he's been charged and he is in custody. So had a little vandalism spree downtown last night. Uh, I got a little too much fire water and. Oh, broke out okay. some windows and doors, and so uh, other than that, uh, one of the the things, uh, probably the most unusual thing that I've heard in recent uh, uh, months, maybe years, uh, Lincoln's Borland Wildlife Solution over the weekend had one of their business trailers uh, stolen. Is that the one where I see over five hundred pounds of bat doo doo? Yes, bat guano. Okay. So you know. Um, you know what they say, uh, some things are just bad, you know, and this is exactly what it is. <laughs> so what, what is that What is that used for? Well, it's part of the uh, extermination process. They clean out the attics and, and all okay. of that. I don't know whether it's used for anything, but they, I would imagine it could be processed uh, and, and recycled, I would imagine. Okay. Not a, you know, it's not something you want to deal with every day. Uh, Unless you're no. in that business, but that's a <laughs> lot of uh, bat do. Yes. So, otherwise, uh, not a lot uh, else going on uh, of real noteworthiness. Uh, you know, in the news, kind of just keeping on, waiting for the weekend. Right. And we did get the, I was out there for that Lincoln Youth Complex, and we got a story up so you can see some of the, the pictures and the renderings at KLIN.com. It <laughs> looks great. It looks like it's going to be an awesome facility. Uh, Jeff Mall, uh, I think he said it expected in the first year to have a, like a $9 million impact on the Nine local. $9 million um, for an economic impact, over 100,000 new visitors to the city in year one, doubling by year three. What, uh, what's the timeline on it? They want to break ground in the spring of this next year, so 2023, and to have it completed somewhere fall to late fall of 2024 so we'd be looking at 2025 as the first year you'd really start seeing baseball and softball and actually several other sports that can use the outfield areas um and nebraska wesleyan is going to use two of those fields for their baseball and softball so you're looking at the spring of 2025 for those programs as so well. those they're the anchor tenants then basically if, yeah if so there's there are five youth fields um, that can be used for both baseball and softball and several different sports, as I said, in the outfield, like lacrosse, flag football, soccer, and a bunch of other things. There is one field designated for, um, which is going to be the new home for Homer's Heroes. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, Homer's Heroes um, helps with uh, mentally and physically challenged youth. So there's a designated field for that. And then two championship fields. So a much nicer softball field. And then a full-size baseball field, and that's where the, the Wesleyan teams will play. But I have to assume that you're you're going to get some high school games out there at some point, too. I, it would seem logical that they, that they would because, you know, uh, 
over here at Seacrest, and and I'm drawing a blank on the the baseball uh, stadium name there, but um, that is that Den Hartsock. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it would seem like that type of a facility would certainly be used, uh, especially if you've got uh, you know time crunch. And as we all know, when it comes to baseball in high school, <laughs> there is a, a time crunch. Uh, Darren Ersted was supposed to be there. Did, was yeah, it, Dar- what's, Darren, what's his role? Um, so he is, one, besides being a a, a dad of, of some youth that are playing, so there, there's always that impact that you want. He's an investor, and he's also on the leadership committee that, that's working on this. Um, and also, when he talked... It did not matter if you were a, a city county leader, you were a member of the media, or someone from the community just there. You wanted to run through a wall, like that. That guy can give a pump up speech without even really it being a "Hey, let's go win one here." It was, uh, and I I put it into some of the the raps that I sent the newsroom as well, and I made it the very first line in the story. I'm sick and tired of having to travel a long ways to do these things, and that's a sentiment that has been. Shared Jack has talked about that. Uh, think about and the talked about that. And talked, talked about, about that. it and talked, talked about, about it. Um, and and it's not just baseball and softball. We see it with with other youth activities as well. Obviously, with the facilities here, you don't have to see it as much with baseball or with the uh, excuse me basketball and volleyball. There are some nice facilities here for that, but you are missing this piece for the city with softball and baseball for the youth programs and. When you look at Nebraska Wesleyan being able to be the main tenants out there, they were playing at Woods Park and University Place Park. Yeah, and they're you know perfectly all right, but they certainly aren't going to be as uh, as accommodating as as this right. one. Yeah, th- those aren't up to the the standards of a collegiate ballpark. If you're looking at wanting to host tournaments and bring in more folks to be able to run something at home and financially help your university and your community. One of the things that, that Erstad talked about that he really enjoyed is how close this is to downtown that, that you're right there. It's, and, what, about, it's less than a mile. Yeah. From, it was a super easy drive to get over there. Uh, there's going to, there's definitely going to be some walkability. Are they, are they going to uh, widen some streets? Uh, any indication about uh, the traffic flows through that? Because that it, the traffic flow in and out of Haymarket even can be a little challenging, especially when you're going going north. Right. So it looks like First Street is really your only access point. So I don't know if that's going to end up getting widened. Um, they really only focused on talking about the complex. I'm sure we'll find out if there's any going to be any street widenings, but they're going to have parking there for over 750 vehicles. That's a lot of parking. That's a lot of parking. They're also going to set up a little bit of overflow parking as well. So I think you're going to be well off on that side of things. And then uh, what, a concession stand that what would be in the kind of the center of, yeah, of four fields, the way I looked at it? Yeah, concession stands. They'll have uh, a way to take tickets, the ticket booths. They've got batting cages, um, it, it's just a, it's a really nice facility. And then you look at all of the space that's, um, so yeah, I do encourage you guys to go to KLIN.com, pull up the picture, um, the, the big over, um, the big aerial shot of the whole rendering is at the bottom of the story. Um, but you can see there's a lot of space outside of the outfields there. There's going to be, I think for some, and I, I was already thinking of this yesterday as well. I want to take the family, and you can just go picnic out there. Oh, and, yeah. You know? Sure. They, that, that's definitely a thing that's going to be available to you. There's going to be 
that outdoor, we don't necessarily have someone playing aspect, but you can go enjoy the environment that's there. It's it's been talked about for a very very long time, and and to see it come to uh, fruition, uh, you know, fairly quickly, and you know, about two years, um, that's pretty uh, pretty important. Did they get into the funding and financing? So it's uh, it's public private, and they're actually still raising some money on that as well. So anyone who's interested in in wanting to donate to that Lincoln Youth Complex is the website. There's a link to it in the story at KLIN.com as well. So still raising a little bit of money, breaking ground here this next spring. I'm I'm very excited for it. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of building going on in, in Lincoln. You know, we've got the casino construction about to get started, the South Beltway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the, uh, the big uh, building downtown with the, uh, you know, the Jack wants to get the, the <laughs> penthouse that's not going to be his, but... Uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, building activity, and this is just going to extend it another year or two. It is, and that's that's one of the things that the construction can be very frustrating. We see it up there on 70th. Like, we know how frustrating that can be, um, especially with streets. But when you've got, like, the Beltway, and you've got the casino, and you've got the complex, and you've got buildings, this says the city is growing. This says the city is doing well. Everything is on the right track for Lincoln going forward. Now, obviously, there are other things that you would like to see get course corrected, some of that being the the crime that we've seen, um, especially this calendar year. But when you're looking at city growth, Lincoln is going in the right direction. Yeah, the, it, would, the, it would certainly, that's a legitimate point. Right, there. and it's that's one of the things that when I lived in Kearney, Kearney's really small compared to Lincoln. Obviously, I think there's only 30-some thousand. But you saw the construction of their their baseball and softball complex for their youth teams. You see the growth of University of Nebraska Kearney and everything that they're doing, some of the other, um, everything that they do over near the interstate with basically um, the Eunice Village. Yeah. You see communities like that in the state of Nebraska grow and grow and grow. And when people, we we played the clip from the New York City mayor talking about Kansas, there's no brand. Why would people don't really go there? People are coming to Nebraska. People are coming to to Lincoln. They're coming to Kearney. They're going to Omaha and all the areas around Omaha, Papillion, Millard, whatever. People are coming to the Midwest and the Great Plains. Yes, like pe- people are coming here. And by having these things like the Lincoln Youth Complex, which, by the way, is not the final name. It'll have an official name down the road, probably a sponsor, I would guess. That's one of the things that attracts people here. That's one of the things that attracts young families to come here when you have those amenities, those things that they can go do. When someone brings a, a team of 10-year-old softball players to town and grandma and grandpa come and all the cousins come because they're, they're close enough to watch, they go, hey, Lincoln's pretty nice. And this is one of the things that Jeff Mall was echoing yesterday. You get those first-time visitors, this might be one of the anchor things that says, hey, this is a pretty nice place to go move. Maybe I want to take my family there. I can I can see some weekend where the Salt Dogs are playing. There's a baseball or a softball tournament and an exhibition uh, at Memorial Stadium. And and probably Devaney and PBA. I'm good with that. Throw it all together. Sure. <laughs> you know, let's just declare a four-day weekend, Friday through Monday, and just get it all done. I've got no problem with that. One uh, other uh, com- uh question i've got on building complex how's the the sports uh, complex there at unl coming along i know they're 
they're still progressing. Uh, have you gotten any latest uh, data or information? Are they still on track to finish that in the, oh, the, the year? Oh, the Go Big Red project? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you said sports complex, and I started right. rattling my brain like, is there something going near Devaney no, besides I, the track? Um, I couldn't think of the name. So. Yeah, the, everything's good there, and that's one of the things when we get to the Board of Regents meeting tomorrow, and one of their approvals is for, it says Memorial Stadium renovations. That It's separate from that project, but not entirely. It's more giving the green light for the university, for the Nebraska Athletic Department, to bring in a third party that can work on the plans in real time and not have to go through the regular channels of, well, we've got to go and get approval for this, approval for that, rework it, approval for this, approval for that, and so on. They're able to do it a little bit quicker. So, yeah, everything sounds like it's it's on time. It's on pace for, for the Go Big Red project or the Go Big project. You just see construction and construction, construction right there by Memorial Stadium. Um, and you know it's going to look good. It's going to look good, and they like the, the kissing columns. I saw a story in the yeah, Journal Star. Yeah, that's yeah. Kiss, kissing columns are going to remain part of uh, where where are those getting moved? I I know they're going to still be part of the UNL campus. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I read the story the, earlier this morning. Uh, they're going to be part of a new UNL campus entrance. Okay. And that's going to be on Eleventh uh, and Q Streets. Yeah, rendering looks pretty good. 11th and Q. Okay. I probably haven't said rendering as much uh, in the last 12 years as, I've, as I have in the last 12 hours. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you haven't been involved in agriculture, you probably haven't used it either. Uh, exactly. So. It's been a hot minute since I've been involved with agriculture. Yeah. Um, 625. And uh, what's all in, happening in sports? I mean, what's the latest on uh, Indiana? Any updates uh, yeah we got a little bit of sound coming up from bill bush this will be his first game as the interim defensive coordinator also alcohol sales update for someone else in the big 10 uh, yes first time this weekend and there was a big home run hit last night and and he's got a chance to break the record in yankee stadium that's going to be special because they're they're back there uh think for the weekend series that's going to be special hey mark thanks so yep. much i'll uh Talk to you later this morning, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mark Vale. You hear him on news here in just about four minutes. I'll have sports when we come back. 626. This is K Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. That's right. Your one chance to win this morning because we will be into the Team Jack Radiothon here in just about 20 minutes. So, if you would like to win $50 to Alumni Hall, $50 to Valentinos, well, you're going to need that keyword. And once you get that keyword, we are asking the question this week of when will the first points be scored in the game this Saturday? Obviously, the guesses have been in the first half so far, ranging from the first quarter at 11.32, mostly down to first quarter 7.30, and then Shane is the only one who's gone into the second quarter at 11.11. So, 
Get that keyword. You're going to text it into the Rick Stein Recognition text line, 402-479-1400. And I will pick two of you this morning so we can still get our two winners for today. And I will text you guys once we get into the Team Jack Radiothon coming up here at 7 o'clock. That keyword to 402-479-1400 is screen, S-C-R-E-E-N, screen, a play that does not get run very, very well at Nebraska over the last several years, but that's the word we came up with for today. Screen, S-C-R-E-E-N, send that into 402-479-1400 for a chance at that Fantasy Huskers prize pack. No, Ryan, not scream, screen with an N. For a chance at that Fantasy Huskers prize pack from Valentino's and Alumni Hall. Now for your sound off, I've got a lot of cuts to get to because it's just me today. And as we've said, Jack will be joining the team there in in uh, Elwood for the Team Jack Radiothon coming on. Well, we've heard a lot about where Hurricane, now Tropical Storm Ian is. One of the... Issues that's going to be coming in the aftermath here. President Joe Biden was warning gas executives against price gouging in the aftermath. As the Category 4 storm was making landfall, President Biden warned oil and gas industry executives. Do not. Let me repeat. Do not. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. The president says only about 2% of daily U.S. production has been impacted by the hurricane and says there's no reason for a sharp increase in gas prices. America's watching. The industry should do the right thing. In a statement, the American Petroleum Institute says gasoline prices are determined by market forces, not individual companies. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. So you've seen that a number of times happen with not just gas, but... Obviously, you've also seen it happen with uh, with water, like water bottles and all of that, and that's that's one of the unfortunate things that seems to happen in the uh, in the wake of national disasters like this. Uh, moving to the other coast, uh, California officials investigating a shooting at a Bay Area, Bay Area school campus left at least six people injured. Police say six people were shot and injured at King Estates campus, an area that houses several city schools. We believe that the victims were affiliated with the school and we're determining their exact affiliation at this time. Assistant Chief of Police Darren Allison explaining this occurred at the Rudsdale Continuation High School portion, not releasing details about a possible suspect. We are pulling the information together at this time, and as soon as we can release information to the public on individuals who are wanted for this crime, we will push that information out. Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf tweeting all six victims are adults. Officials say three were in critical condition. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. Uh, Now some updates on a a couple of trials and and lawsuits that have been going on in Wisconsin. Remember that was, uh, there was that incident at a Christmas parade? Here's the latest on that trial. Daryl Brooks' trial is set to begin Monday. Waukesha County Circuit Judge Jennifer Doro says she will grant Brooks' request to act as his own attorney. Lawyers wanted him to plead not guilty due to mental illness, but he decided against that. Judge Doro, in considering his request, said in court Wednesday, I cannot make a finding based upon the record before me that Mr. Brooks suffers from a major mental illness that would interfere with his ability to represent himself. The judge said Brooks' education and lack of legal experiences are among challenges before him. He faces life in prison. 
if convicted. Gernal Scott, Fox News. And then in Illinois for the July 4th attack. Families of seven people killed and dozens hurt in the Highland Park 4th of July parade attack have filed suit against gunmaker Smith & Wesson as well as two gun stores accusing them in part of violating Illinois' consumer laws that led up to the attack, focusing on local so-called assault weapons bans even though the suspect purchased the gun he allegedly used legally under Illinois state law. We also now know that Highland Park Police had multiple contacts with the suspect for years, though a red flag order on him was never filed. He was indicted last month on 117 felony counts in the massacre and has pled not guilty. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. We'll see where that lawsuit goes. Meanwhile, three people are charged with trying to smuggle migrants by air. Most migrants coming to the U.S. are doing so by foot or by vehicle, but Homeland Security reports a trio of accused human smugglers attempted to circumvent the border altogether and just fly over it. Three people are now charged in Texas with chartering a Beechcraft airplane and dropping six migrants off in the nation's interior. The Salvadorian nationals say they were held at a stash house south of the border before being boarded onto a plane and flown into the U.S. Tom Graham, Fox News. Oof. And that was, uh, I remember that being one of the discussions while President Donald Trump was in the White House and you had the building of the border wall of finding other ways to get into the country. And obviously, if they've got caught, you wonder about how many others were out there. Congress inching closer towards avoiding a government shutdown. A stopgap funding measure is expected to pass the Senate today. The must-pass measure will then head to the House just before government funding is set to expire late Friday. Republicans in the House say they oppose it because it's only a short-term solution with a December expiration date. They're also concerned that it doesn't adequately address border security. Despite that opposition, there appears to be enough support among House Democrats to stave off a shutdown. The measure does not include any hurricane relief for Florida. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says, quote, if we need more, we'll have to do it. In Washington, Sean Langell, Fox News. Why are we always just like a day and a vote away from a government shutdown? Like, I know I know it's, it can be a lot more intricate other than or a lot more complicated than just hey guys, don't let the government go into a shutdown. And then people have to deal with the ramifications of that from rich politicians. But why does this keep happening? Well, speaking of uh, of Washington, balance of power in the Senate, it's split right now in the latest Fox News poll, investigates voter sentiment in two critical swing states ahead of the midterms. A stop. In Georgia, the Democratic incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock is ahead of the Republican nominee Herschel Walker by five points now in the latest Fox News poll. While 95% of Democrats support Warnock, just 82% of Republicans support Walker. Warnock supporters describe themselves as enthusiastic by 20 points more than Walker supporters. In Pennsylvania, Republican Senate candidate Dr. Oz is closing in on the Democrat John Fetterman. Fetterman is just four points ahead of Oz now, with 45% support, but Oz is facing an excitement gap, while 61% of Fetterman supporters call themselves enthusiastic. Just 38% of Oz supporters describe themselves that way. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. I'm interested to know what where people fall on polls right now. Because remember back in 2016, it was none of the polls are accurate and all there you can't trust any of the polls. But now we look at polls still a lot, and it doesn't really matter which party you're in. Like you still look at them. You saw it happen with Jim Pillen uh, referenced the the uh, 
poll of the week that KLIN ran as, as a reason that he was pulling away. And eventually, obviously, he did win the primary in the gubernatorial race here for, uh, for Nebraska GOP. But Fox News running a poll. Where are we at on that? Like, do we trust polls again? Or does it just depend on which party is winning in said poll? Um, did you guys see the vote that happened? Uh, that was clearly a sham vote that Russia ran in for several Ukraine provinces, territories. Um, I forget what they're called there. But the Biden administration, well, they're, they're condemning uh, Russia staging the breakaway referendums in occupied Ukraine. The White House says it will never recognize Russia's illegitimate referendums, calling it an outrageous attempt to annex Ukrainian territory. We expect Russia to use these sham referenda as a false pretext to try to annex Ukrainian territory in flagrant violation of international law and the United Nations Charter. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre explains the U.S. will work with allies to impose additional sanctions on Russia. And Ukraine has every right to continue to fight for their full sovereignty. Adding the U.S. has approved an additional $1.1 billion weapons and equipment package for Ukraine. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. Did you guys think we were done talking about the U.K.? We, we had the, uh, you had the passing of, of the queen and you went through all of the, the, the funeral, the, um, where you had to go all the way up into Scotland. And then you had the queue, which was its own big thing. Well, we're not done because Windsor Castle, it's reopening to the public following the death of Queen Elizabeth II. More than a week after Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest, Windsor Castle is reopening for public tours. The Queen, who passed away on September 8th, was interred at St. George's Chapel on the grounds of Windsor Castle on September 19th. Now, mourners will be able to visit the chapel to pay their respects to the late Queen. Her husband, Prince Philip, is also buried there along with her mother, father, sister, and previous monarchs. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. This next clip that I've got is, I know, very near and dear to Jack Mitchell's heart because he always wants to pretend he's going to put out a ransom for for scammers, especially scammers of older adults. And that's actually the Federal Trade Commission is trying to help seniors to avoid those scams. As part of the Stop Senior Scams Act, the Federal Trade Commission is teaming up with 13 federal and state agencies and industry and consumer advocates to try and protect seniors. According to the FTC, this first meeting of the Scams Against Older Adults Advisory Group features organizations like the AARP and the Department of Justice. The group will try to tackle expanding consumer education efforts, improving industry training on scam prevention, finding innovative methods to spot and stop scams, and developing research on engagement to reduce fraud. The committee will also look into stakeholders that can contribute to the group's efforts. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. If you feel comfortable at spotting a scam, every minute that you keep them on the line is another minute they're not trying to scam someone else's grandma. I think that's very important for us all to recognize. Um, artist Leon Ivey Jr., better known to hip-hop fans as Coolio, died at the age of 59. The rapper broke out in popular culture back in 1994 with his crazy hair and the hit song Fantastic Voyage. Uh, 
according to his manager, Julio was found dead in a friend's home uh, and pronounced dead there by medical personnel. No more details, at least that I have here with uh, with this report. And that was one that I knew the songs. I knew Gangsta's Paradise, but that was I wish Jack was here this morning for for that one. And um, maybe he'll touch on it tomorrow during the tailgate or at least he'll he'll hit on it Monday because that would have hit his generation right in the prime of being in in high school and getting ready to go to college. Um, As I said, in sports, you had a big home run hit last night. Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge put his name in the record books Wednesday night. Judge had been stuck on 60 homers for over a week, but he made history in Toronto. And the 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. That's how it sounded on Yes Network. The homer coming off of Blue Jays reliever Tim Meza. The Yankees won the game 8-3. New York will have Thursday off before returning home for a weekend series against the Orioles starting Friday, giving Judge a chance to set the record in Yankee Stadium. I'm Eric Messersmith, Fox News. And obviously talking about the American League record there, there have been a trio of other guys that have hit the ball over the fence more times in a single season in the National League. And so that is now, as Judge goes to break the American League record, he will then be chasing um, overall Major League home run records in, in, in ranks. Sammy Sosa hit 63 and 64, Mark McGuire 65, Sosa 66, McGuire 70, Barry Bonds 73, and all of those happened over about a five-year stretch, late 90s to uh, the 2001-2002 area. Last one, we've got NFL Thursday night football. Miami is one of only two unbeaten teams left in the NFL after three games, but are an underdog tonight against the one and two Bengals. Part of the reason for that is the uncertain status of Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungo-Vailoa, who suffered a back injury that briefly forced him to leave Sunday's win over Buffalo. Tungo-Vailoa says he would do everything he can to be ready on a short week. The Miami offense has been on fire, with wideouts Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill ranking second and third in the league in Receiving yards. The defending AFC champion Bengals, meanwhile, had been suffering a Super Bowl hangover, starting the season with two straight losses before breaking into the win column with a win over the Jets last week. I'm Eric Messersmith, Fox News. And once again, Thursday night NFL action. It's on Amazon Prime. I have had zero issues with this. And so it, it, it surprises me a little bit when I see it all on social media, the number of people upset with Amazon Prime. It's been super clean for me. Like, like everything has run really, really well. So I hope everyone has the, you got the internet running well, you've got it all loaded up right, and I hope it works for you tonight if you're interested in seeing if the Dolphins can stay undefeated. It is 6.53, going to hit a quick break here. We'll come back, talk Capital Humane Society, and wrap up an abridged version of LNK Today with Jack and Friends. It's our weekly spotlight of pets for you to adopt from the Capital Humane Society on LNK Today. Wrapping up an abridged version of LNK Today with Jack and Friends. We'll get to Team Jack here in just about uh, 10 minutes. Been fun here talking with uh, with Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, going through the sound off myself. And obviously now we get to the Capital Humane Society with Executive Director Matt Mitchell. Matt, how are you doing this Thursday morning? 
Good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I, I love that I get to be the one to talk with you about the pets you've got available this morning. Yeah. Yep. So, so what, first off, go ahead. So first off, we got Timothy, and he's a approximately 12 year old domestic medium hair, gray tabby, neutered male. He's a big boy. He weighs about 16 pounds, and he's also frontly clawed. Mm-hmm. But he came to us as a lost cat, and unfortunately, nobody came looking for him. But he's a senior guy looking for a low traffic home where he can spend his retirement years and maybe uh, lay in the window or on the ground and soak up the sun and get up and move around as the sun moves. I think you just described what I'm looking for. (laughs) A low maintenance guy that will just kind of do what he wants to do. What else do we got, Matt? Then we got Handsome Bo Bansom. And uh, he's a three to four year old American bulldog mix, neutered male. He's white and gray. And he weighs about 66 pounds, but he is a bulky 66 pounds. He's kind of a low rider and uh, came to us as a lost dog. Again, unfortunately, nobody came looking for him. Uh, He was actually adopted recently, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out with the other dog in a home. So uh, he's looking for a new home that'll work out for him. And he's just a big goofball, likes to wiggle around, and and he's going to lead you around to explore um, (laughs) with, uh, with all that weight he can throw around. So. Sometimes it's nice to have someone else lead the dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how have uh, Matt? How have adoptions been going as we've we've gotten to really the end of summer and we're starting to get into fall? Yeah, so adoptions have been strong. Uh, still seeing uh, quite a few animals coming in though. So uh, more more recently, we're seeing more cats. But uh, I mean, uh, animals are getting adopted uh, quickly. It's just uh, still have quite a few coming in, and so uh, the adoption center today will be completely full with cats and kittens and dogs and critters so if you're looking to adopt it's a great time and if someone is looking to adopt how can they do that so pylock pet adoption center is out at 70th and highway 2 in the shopping center with the home depot and we're open today and tomorrow 11 30 to 7 both days and then saturday and sunday from 12 to 5 and you're welcome to come on out anytime the building's open get those pets adopted hey matt thanks so much for your time and we'll talk again next week Yep, have a good one. There you go, Matt Manchero with the Capital Humane Society. Here in a couple of minutes, we're going to go to news, and then when everything comes back, you will be with the Team Jack Radiothon. They're going to give you this number a bunch of times for the 10th annual Team Jack Radiothon. KLIN, so happy to be part of it again this year. 855-RUN-JACK. That's the number you need to call to make your donations. 855-786-5225. You guys can also go to KLIN.com, and you can enter to win over $25,000 in cash supporting Team Jack and their mission to end childhood brain cancer. You purchase a ticket for just $100, and that enters you to win one of three top prizes. There's a $2,500 prize, a $5,000 prize, and a $20,000 top prize. That's three chances to win with just a single ticket. Again, you can go to KLIN.com right now to enter. That giveaway is sponsored by the Home Agency. All proceeds benefit the Team Jack Foundation. The winner will be announced this afternoon. Actually, it's going to be at 6 o'clock, so right at the end of the Radiothon. Jack Mitchell is down there. Cody Thomas is down there. All of this going out in uh, in just south of Lexington at Elwood, the home of the home agency. Again, KLIN, really happy to be part of it. That's going to do it for an abridged version of LNK Today with Jack and Friends on a Thursday morning. Make sure you stick with us. We'll still have news updates throughout the day, top and bottom of the hour. Also go to KLIN.com. Friday Husker Tailgate comes back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. That's been LNK Today with Jack and Friends.